The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Got another dude! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another dude! O-Line U, Bunch of Dudes. A lot of dudes. Yeah! Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by 4th and Dude and Boston College 24-7, Season 3, Special Edition 2019 Season Preview Episode. After a long offseason, the Mats are officially back on air to gear you up for the return of college football. It's been a busy seven months on the heights since the notoriously canceled First Responders Bowl, as the Eagles lost one of the most talented senior classes in history and made key changes at both coordinator positions. But with Heisman contender A.J. Dillon back to full health for his junior season, anything can happen this year in a wide-open ACC. On today's episode, we'll break down the key Eagles coming back in 2019, talk dude or pood, head into the courtroom for a special Duteous Corpus ACC preview edition, and announce the official Lot of Dudes season prediction. Matt, welcome back. Matt, it is it is so good to be back. This is just the best time of year. I'm so excited for football to be back. Summer camp officially opens up this week. Uh, Friday, I believe, summer camp at the Fish, where guys become dudes. Uh, optimism is running really high in the 4th and Dude headquarters right now. We are feeling so good about what the next four months will deliver to us. Yeah, I tell you, it's a, it's a bit of a different feel this year compared to last year. We'll get into to sort of how the hype machine has played out. Um, or lack thereof. But people forget, Matt, A.J. Dillon's still on this football team. We still got, you know, Anthony Brown coming into his own. We got some some key changes that were made in the offseason. But at the end of the day, this is a team of dudes. And uh, I think a lot of people don't know what's going to hit them this year. I completely agree. So before we get started, some very exciting updates in the world of the Lot of Dudes podcast. We are thrilled to announce our latest partnership with our good friends over at Armchair All-Americans. So the guys over there are building an awesome network of sports podcasts all across uh, professional college teams all throughout the country. There are some super talented and popular podcasts under their umbrella, and we are uh, absolutely psyched to be a part of it. Uh, And Matt, get this. So for the first time in a lot of dudes history, we have teamed up with a few awesome companies for some big time sponsors. Uh, Needless to say, the koozie budget will be in full force this coming year. So Brighton, be on the lookout for that. And it all starts with our good friends over at my bookie, Matt. A new football season is right around the corner, which brings with it a full slate of changes. In our backyard alone, we've got a new look offensive line, overhauled secondary. Lindstrom will be protecting Matty Ice. Tommy 12 inches poised to become a Buffalo legend. The list goes on and on. But a few things have stayed constant. Tony Touchdowns is still an all ACC caliber quarterback. AJ Dillon still loves applesauce. And I am still betting the full slate of games exclusively with my bookie. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. They offer better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first ever online super contest. First place is guaranteed at least 100000 Just think about how many koozies that would buy you on Brighton. And it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. We would only recommend a service to our fellow dudes that's been good to us. That's why MyBookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. They've got live in-game betting on every NFL game, the most rewarding player perks in the businesses. And for all you fantasy nerds out there, you can bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now with us and get $200 in free bets. Use promo code DUDE to activate the offer. That's right. We have our own promo code. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E and use our promo code DUDE. That's just spelled D-U-D-E when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. MyBookie. Matt, we are officially in the major leagues now and it feels really good. Uh, First question, I guess, for you would be what are you going to do with all of the money you win from betting exclusively on the birds on MyBookie in 2019? Matt, it's a good question. I already put my, my bet down. BC... Uh, getting two and a half against Virginia Tech, what an absolute steal! It, it's it's honestly free money. 
Um, no, I'll tell you what, if you've been with us since, uh, what, 2017, since we started this, you know, we, we said we never sell out for ads. Hey, guys, guess what? We sold out. Um, so we I mean, the koozies just don't pay for themselves and, is, is kind of the bottom line. And everyone, everyone forgets that. But no, it's going to be a fun ride um, this season with my bookie, with Armchair, with everyone. Um, so welcome aboard. Um, if you're new to the program, it's pretty straightforward. We are Boston College Football's premier podcast in the industry. Slightly biased. You're not going to come here for uh, for cold, hard facts necessarily, but you will come for the fan perspective, and we'll try to convince you why this team uh, will win. And I won't, I'll save it for the season prediction, why this team will contend for the ACC championship. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't be more on board. I, I'm so excited for, for what this team has in store. Uh, before we kind of run around and do our roster preview and, and kind of uh, brief game by game breakdown, look around the ACC, I think we got to give a throwback to uh, basically where our roots and where we came from and a good old fashioned round of Duder Pood. That's right. And, and it's one of, the, one of the best segments out there. Uh, pretty straightforward. You guys do to something good that happened, Pood to something bad that happened. Pretty straightforward, right? I mean, I feel like some, we have some segments that get a little bit confusing, but this one feels to me like if you were just listening for the first time, you would be able to pick that up. Right. Duteous corpus, you kind of have to explain that one, fair. right? That's, yep. that's not fair. one you I think, hear. Well, I think you need a law degree. You need a law degree. That's, that's a good point. Uh, so I'll just, I'll just get right into my dude. How's that, Matt? Let's do it. All right. So I touched on it a little bit, but uh, my dude this year, Matt, and, and it's in contrast to last year where BC was the popular dark horse pick. You know, you had AJ Dillon that, that sort of put BC on the map in the second half of 2017. So it was the trendy pick to put Boston College in the way the schedule lined up and everything that not only were they going to, you know, have success in the ACC, but many pundits were saying that these, this was the team that was going to challenge Clemson. Obviously, we know how that ended up, right? So, um, you know, we were gifted sort of a number 23 ranking after beating UMass, Holy Cross and Wake last year, um, and then failed to show up against Purdue. Um, and, and, and never really got off the plane. Coach Adazi even admitted that we were sort of reading our, pre- our press clippings. We weren't really prepared to take on a team like Purdue on the road, et cetera, et cetera. This year, there's absolutely none of that. There's really no preseason accolades outside of Dylan. Um, and even that's sort of, you know, half-assed. You know, everyone's talking about Travis Etienne as the best running back in the ACC. Ben Petrula's gotten a little bit of accolades, but, uh, my dude, to bring it full circle here, Matt, my dude is the lack of hype. Which, which is ironic, right? Usually you want some hype uh, preseason, but not this team. You know, BC makes its living recruiting the overlooked guys that want to prove the haters wrong. Being an underdog is a far better mentality than, than you know, the false hype that we saw last year. So, um, you know, they were picked number five in sort of a soft Atlantic um, in the ACC this year. Uh, so I'm excited for these guys to, uh, to show the country you know, what they can do and why they're a heck of a lot better than number five in the ACC. Yeah, and we'll get into it when we when we break into the courtroom. But I think the bottom line is that nobody in the media or, or really, you know, any fan bases have any idea what to expect um, out of the ACC Atlantic, really beyond Clemson at the top and Louisville at the bottom. I think you could make a legitimate case for any order uh, out of the next, whatever it is, five teams um, and where they're going to finish there. So I, I'm kind of with you that I, I like that – a, it's an open race, and B, no one is necessarily expecting anything out of us because I think that I mean, when you have a target on your back, it's it's hard. Uh, when you're ranked and you go into Purdue, that's a tough environment to play. Versus if we were, you know, one and two, or and, and you know, not getting any votes. I think I think teams step up when when you know a good team comes to town. So if we kind of have an even playing field, I'm I'm all for that. Um, I'm gonna go slightly off the field, though, still kind of in the medium market for my dude. I, I think everyone knows that I am notoriously the the tougher one uh, on coach Adazio. I think especially last year, he had a lot of criticism thrown his way specifically from, you know, my side of the podcast. And I do think a lot of it was, was warranted, uh, but it's a new season. He is our guy and, and we're excited to, to, you know, fight behind him uh, over the coming you know couple months. But my standout performance every year. And I think the thing that he is best at is his media day performance. Obviously he's a great speaker. He's always great on ESPN. He's very eloquent He's very you know, fiery and, and good to listen to, but I'm talking specifically more about his consistent beatdown of the rest of the ACC coaches when it comes to uh, his tan. He has spent basically oh, the last... His tan. Yeah, his tan, just to be clear. Uh, he has spent the last four months on the beaches of Dennis on Cape Cod, uh, just absolutely soaking up the sun. I imagine a lot of smoked meats kind of on the beach there, maybe during the golden hour. Uh, a couple glasses of the, uh, uh, you know, the vino and, and going back to kind of the old Italian 
you know, dinners and things like that. He shows up in Charlotte, and while everyone else has been, you know, hiding under their desk in their office, Adazio just looks like a million bucks. This year, he went with a pink suit, which I thought complemented the golden brown crisp just absolutely perfectly. Uh, but he's a guy that walks in there and knows that he, that he's the alpha when he steps foot in that room, even in a room that includes guys like Davo Sweeney and you know some other big time coaches. So. Again, for as hard as I've been on Adazio, I do think he deserves a lot of credit, uh, specifically as it pertains to to that field. So that's my dude. I think it's a, a I want to start off on a good note with Adazio this year and and hope to carry that through with some uh, positive vibes throughout the season. Matt, I appreciate that because you're coming from a, a position of um, you know s- sort of a truce, right? So I, you know, correct for, for yep, those exactly. of you guys that are new, I'm probably a little too much in on Coach Adazio. He's he's my favorite guy, and a lot of it is because of all the off the field nonsense. Um, he's just a the ultimate football coach, um, and all he needs is just to be a little bit better at actually coaching football, and otherwise he would be the greatest coach of all time, in my opinion. And I just I don't think that's too much to ask, Matt. I really don't. No, no, exactly. Uh, no, but agree. He walked into to media day, and, and you know he's on. You know he, he has the connection to Bristol, obviously too. So uh, when he shows up on TV, he blows the rest of those guys. And you know you're, you're dealing with Dabo Sweeney and Dave Dorn and guys that probably you know shouldn't be in front of a camera anyway. Um, but that's our football coach and, and all Dave Dorn. And, and we'll obviously get to it in a couple of weeks, but he's just like the absolute worst. I know we kind of harp on this every year, but that guy just absolutely sucks. Uh, you know, from every aspect that you could possibly come up Agreed. with. I'm with you, Matt. Um, I look forward just to really lashing out at NC state. Cause that's to me and we'll get into it, but that's a game we need to win. Um, and I look forward to drumming up some controversy before that game to, uh, to get the guys motivated for that one. Um, uh, Matt, I'm going to jump into my pood real quick. All right. So, Obviously, we, we lost a ton of talent from last year's senior class. It was probably among the best we've ever seen. Um, and we had as many as, I don't know, eight to 10 guys that absolutely could have and probably should have been drafted. Um, and my, my poot in general is just kind of how the draft ended up shaking out. You know, on the day of, we started out pretty hot with Lindstrom going, I think, 14 overall to the Falcons. We had Allen and Harris going in the third. So we were starting out pretty hot. And then there was really nothing after that. Um, outside of Sweeney, uh, Tommy Sweeney going in the seventh. You left studs like Hamp, Lucas Dennis, Jeff Smith, Mikey Walker, Wyatt Ray, um, Strahan. All those guys went undrafted, um, which was unfortunate to see. And, and, you know, I really thought that a lot of those guys, you know, had what it took to, to make it to the next level. And it's not to say they won't. A lot of them are, are showing, showing their stuff in camp, and a lot of them will make teams and practice squads, et cetera. But um, I was hoping that would go a little bit better. And then even in the NBA draft, which I didn't see coming because I love Kai Bowman, I really thought he was going to get drafted. Although he had some weird thing going on with Golden State that was like <laughs> yeah, potentially, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going on there to be honest. Potentially yeah, tampering, I don't, I don't really know, Matt. Um, yeah. But I, I guess you know, so it's so it's a poot in that you know it would have been great to have you know like eight guys drafted. It would have been cool to say that, and you know it's big for recruiting and all that. But I guess also more importantly for for the underclassmen, and it's less applicable to a guy like Kai Bowman who was gone no matter what. But like Hamp Cheevers, right? He obviously had a breakout campaign, the Hampshire's Accord. Have you ever heard of it, Matt? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm aware of that uh, truce. Yeah, so, so you know, obviously he decides to go pro after his junior year. He has a year of eligibility left. And, and it seems to me it's just sort of nonsensical why, if he goes undrafted, why he can't come back and get his degree and, you know, yeah. line up at corner for, for BC again this year. It seems like a, a no-brainer. I think it's one of those rules. And I'm not a big NCAA hate, hater, like pay the guys, whatever. NCAA, I think, is, is doing a fine job. I love college football as oh, it so, is. Don't so, change anything. So, wait, hang on. So, so just for the record, are you taking a stand of, of your anti-paying the no, players? No, 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 because that's going to – You're going to bury in that lead? That won't look great probably for our okay. sponsors. No, but I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not – I don't often get on my soapbox uh, in, in opposition to the NCAA. But in this case, it's an easy case where, hey, guys – let the guys that don't get drafted come back to school, get the degree, be you know playmakers. Everyone wins, and then the NFL will be there next year, right? Hey, while you're while you're negotiating that, do you mind uh, having them put through the college video game again? Yeah, well, I'm there, Matt. I'll, I'll see what I can do about that. I'll, okay, uh, thank you. I'll do my Figure best. If we're going to be on site, we might as well you know kind of have a, have a dual purpose meeting there. But well, I'm with you. I think uh, Hamp was really for me the the sour note of the weekend. Uh, he was so incredibly talented. And look, I get it. Like there's, there's so many different decisions that, that go into declaring for the draft. Um, obviously it's, it's hard to turn down the, you know, the money that seems there. You know, you think about the secondary as a whole this year, obviously they were, lo- you know, we're losing a lot of guys. So, you, you know, if you're in his perspective, if you're a very strong guy and a very strong secondary, statistically, you'll probably have a better year than, you know, trying to be the, the best guy on an otherwise kind of weak secondary. So I completely get it, but I'm with you. I think there, you shouldn't be penalized for, you know, basically shooting your shot uh, and trying to do what the end goal is for 99% of the players uh, in college football. So definitely unfortunate there. 
Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. Uh, for my pood, I'm going to go continue. You know, I have my dude at media day. I'm going to do the same for my pood as well. So AJ Dillon, we all know for a while now he's been big in the applesauce game. Uh, he's got some you know connections with Mots and some other the the bigger companies. So two issues here that I want to bring up. One, I, I have a, a, a it's like a one percent fear. Um, but an awful scandal that we really don't need to deal with would be some sort of inappropriate sponsorship scandal uh, with Mots, for example. Like, I don't know what the rules are, but let's say, for example, Mots sends him thousands upon thousands of dollars of applesauce, which if you follow him on Instagram, it kind of seems like he's eating that much applesauce. So I don't know where he's getting it all. Uh, But I think that's the last thing that this season needs is to kind of get derailed before we get started. And then the second piece of that is his take on putting applesauce on mac and cheese. Just a terrible opinion. Uh, he came out with that on Media Day. I think we all know that I'm of the opinion that you know no press is bad press, and making headlines is you know often a good thing. Um, but in this case, that's just not what we needed. Again, coming into this year, I, I think that you know we want to have a cohesive locker room, and that's kind of an issue that I could really see dividing um, you know players amongst different groups. Yeah, and, and I'm a I'm a mac and cheese guy, and I am a who isn't right, and I am an applesauce guy, which surprises people because I'm not a big fruit or vegetable guy. But I'll I'll do a little bit of applesauce. I will not do them together. I will say AJ Dillon's probably the one guy that can that can get away with saying something like that and without being like arrested for a pre-crime situation. Correct. But yeah, I don't know which of those is worse, Matt, whether it's it's illegally embezzling um, free free applesauce leading to an NCAA investigation or what he does with it thereafter. I don't know what Correct. I'm more concerned about. Yeah, no, I think those are those are definitely both valid. Um, I'm going to toss in another poot as well quickly here because I don't think we've been on the mic over the course of the summer. Um, really since the Jim Christian extension or, or lack of firing was announced. We may have touched on it earlier in the spring, but um, I do want to revisit our relationship with Martin Jarmond. Everyone knows Martin is uh, our best internet friend, or at least was at one point. I'm not really sure where, where things stand. We went after him pretty hard uh, at the Jim Christian extension because, look, I think that you and I, for the first time in a long time, we're on the same page with the fate of our head coaches, and we just definitely thought it was time to make a change. The excuses continue to pile up. This was, you know, year what four or five of, of pathetic results, despite great talent, uh, a couple NBA players, etc. Sixteen and, and eighty-two, or something ridiculous. Correct. Like that I mean, in it's, conference it's, it's it's almost impossible to to be as bad. Uh, in terms of the win and loss column as, as JC has been over his tenure here. So when it was announced and he came out with that ridiculous article of saying, oh, no, we're going to invest in the uh, program by building a new nutrition station in Conti Forum, we went after Martin pretty hard, and I think you know rightly so. Since then, uh, I think looking back and kind of tempering our emotions and, you know, look, sometimes it takes the big man to apologize, and, and I guess today we will be those, those big men. Um, but I think we know the – powers that be at Boston College. They go so high up the rung. This wasn't his call 100%. He was obviously getting pressure from other sources, uh, whether that was not the right budget to find the next head coach uh, from Leahy or Leahy just flat out not wanting to eat the buyout, et cetera. So I want to extend a little bit of an olive branch here and say, look, Martin, you're, you are the face of the athletic program. And like any uh, you know executive uh, or, or, or leader in management, you're going to be blamed when things go wrong. So I don't want to necessarily say we were in the wrong for being upset with you. Um, but as our former best friend, I really would like to get back to a, a place of, of happiness. Uh, we both go to the gym at six o'clock in the morning. I think that's a, uh, a unifying topic that we can get behind. But, you know, overall, it's it, when you lose a friend, it, it kind of just eats at you. Um, so I've been I've been really looking forward to the opportunity to apologize and get back on level terms for for quite some time now. Yeah, the whole point and you touched on it, the whole point of going to the gym at 6 a.m. is so you can tell people about it. So I Co- that correct. Didn't get by me just to, just to let you know. Correct. Well, specifically, Martin Jarman at, the, at this at this particular juncture, I want him to know that. That while he's getting better, I also am getting better uh, while, you know, the rest of, of everyone else sleeps. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, we'd like to be a, a basketball podcast as well. Um, you know, as, as big, you know, growing up BC fan, I, you know, uh, Jared Dudley, Sean Marshall, Tyrese Rice, et cetera, we're all, you know, big heroes of mine. And I used to care way more about basketball than football, believe it or not. Um, but it's just I'm so apathetic at this point to the Jim Christian experience um, you know, obviously we, we lost Kai. We don't have a lot going on. Well, I'll say, I mean, again, we got, and I feel like we do this every year. Uh, Christian does do well in the transfer market. Uh, he got the guy who started at Duke who, you know, which is obviously on talent alone is exciting. Those statistics. Yeah, there's a reason he's, he's three years transferred to four around. programs in three years. Correct. And then we got the guy from Providence who same thing was a, a, a stud uh, coming out of high school was a huge recruit for Providence. Never really flourished. But the story is that his younger brother is 
think a five star, if not a very high four star from Connecticut. And, you know, we're saying basically this will be a huge in potentially for his recruitment to BC. So, you know, things definitely look up and I don't know if it's just the nutrition station's fault, um, if that's kind of the answer and the reason that we're finally getting good recruits. Um, but look, I mean, I, I hope that this decision, I, I hope that we will eventually be proven wrong when we said it would have been the right idea to fire Christian. I'm not sold, but, uh, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. But long story short, Martin, we miss you. Uh, please let us know what we can do to uh, be friends again. He did not respond to my wedding invitation, by the way. Oh. I don't know if he's responded to yours wow. yet. But um, so that that hurt my feelings a little bit. But uh, I mean, look, friends fight. Uh, you and I have obviously had our had our fights in the past, you know, specifically over the fate of Steve Adazio. So this is certainly not uncharted waters. Um, and if I know Martin, like I think I do, I, I, I do feel like we'll come out of this tighter than we were before. That's funny. And last thing on basketball, because I do want to move on to a, a real sport that we actually have a shot at. You know, he caught so much heat for not firing Daz. I thought that firing Christian, especially with the way we limped through the I end agree. of the season, completely, there was no way he was going to keep Christian and, and, li- and live to tell the tale, right? Um, which which makes what you said, you know, a lot more logical that it's not coming from him. Um, you know, it's coming from from Leahy, which obviously sucks. And our hope was that he was going to be able to be the guy that could get past that barrier um, and, and you know be the guy that could stand up to Leahy or whoever that dy- dynamic works, right? But at the end of the day, I think you're right. He just he didn't he didn't have the authority to to make the move he wanted to, especially because he's a basketball guy and he wants to write the ship. So um, correct. All right. Anyway, so Matt, uh, next up here, let's talk football. Let's talk about who's gone, who's coming back, what the key units are. Obviously, we got to start with with your boy Anthony Brown. You want to kick it off? Yeah. So I so I know we're going to get into breakout due to the year in a little bit. So spoiler alert: he's going to be mine. Um, which I know you're going to you know it's a little bit of a contentious pick that you're going to probably have a problem. No, with. No, 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 um, no, no. I have an open mind this year, Matt. So so okay. Uh, okay. Uh, well, why don't you just get to it and then I'll I'll chime in as needed. How's that? Sure. Yeah. So I, I, you know, if we want to talk breakout due to the year. Um, I'm going to obviously go with Anthony Brown. I want to officially announce my position as the head conductor of the Tony Touchdowns hype train. Get on board now because it is going to get very full on this train by, I'd say, like week, honestly, week one. I think he's going to have a huge performance against Vatek. But um, I legitimately think that he is going to show up as a tier one quarterback in the country. Um, I think a top two quarterback in the ACC. You could flip him and him or Lawrence, honestly. Um, I think they're both going to be competing for, uh, you know, the best arm in the in the conference. If we look at his stats from last year, and I think that, again, because the record didn't always look the way that, you know, we wanted it to, and there were definitely some inconsistencies in the offense. There's no question about that. He definitely showed a lot of areas where he could improve. But statistically, um, he had a basically a top five BC season for a quarterback from pretty much any uh, metric that you want to look at. Specifically, had the second most touchdowns for a BC sophomore. High, <coughs> excuse me, highest single game passer rating in the history of the program. The weight game last year was statistically one of the best games in the country. Um, you know, including any of Tua or Lawrence's performance. Three hundred and four yards, five touchdowns. First three hundred by five game uh, for a BC quarterback since Matty Ice. We've seen what he can do, and we've seen his flashes of brilliance. Again, weight being a great example, but he also looked awesome against Vatek. Um, and, and really for a lot of the portion of the, of the, you know, Florida State game, what he has not had is a full healthy offseason as a starter. Obviously, after the freshman, uh, campaign here or his, or his, I guess, redshirt freshman campaign, uh, where he tore the ACL late in the year, he didn't really start practicing until about this time last year. Um, so missed all of spring camp and really was pretty gun shy, uh, for the rest of the summer. And even the early weeks, you could tell with the play calls, they weren't you know, roll him out of the pocket. They were being very conservative. So I think giving him now a full, at this point, it's been basically, what, 18 months or more than that of, of a healthy ACL. I, you know, I really expect huge things out of his development. He does have more maturity. Dylan's his roommate now, which is just a, uh, the, probably the first ever roommate combination that is going to win two Heismans. Um, <laughs> you and I, Matt, were roommates at, at one point, and, and we did have some good athletic acc- accolades couple mugs between the two of us I believe but um, not at this level but Dylan keeps talking about his maturity and how he's you know the first in the morning the last out at night I really think he's ready to be a leader on this team and he's going to blow up the ACC um, and become a household name over the course of uh, you know 12 weeks this fall I think we look at you know the receiving core he's got Kobe White who's a stud Uh, AJ has apparently been catching balls out of the backfield which will open up so much throughout the uh, rest of the passing game as will just AJ's running game so uh, and with Bajakian as the as the new coordinator, which we'll touch on, which is you know traditionally a, a throw heavy guy, I, I think really the sky is legitimately the limit for for Tony touchdowns this year. And uh, yeah, I mean I, I, I'm I'm fully driving this train, and I hope that that you will 
get on board sooner than later. Yeah, no, I, I believe me, Matt. I, I'd like to. You know, we're all on the same uh, we're on the same team here. Um, AB is the guy, right? He's he's got to be the guy this year. Obviously, the concern is, and we say it all the time, but it's it's Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know who's going to show up, is it? And it seems like to me every, every game against Wake, um, who was just a horrible defensive team by any metric, we saw. You think about the first half of NC State. Remember, we were down there for that. First half of Virginia Tech, first half of Florida State. There's sort of a trend here going on. The whole game uh, against Purdue, it seems like that's more A-B than otherwise. And I'd like, you know, I'd love for him to prove me wrong. But he does have a, a fair amount of, of issues that, you know, could be fixable. And I'm glad we brought in Bajakian, who's, you know, potential quarterback whisperer to help fix these. But, you know, he, he doesn't go through his progressions. Um, he stares down his primary receivers. He underthrows the ball. He's got accuracy issues. All those, I think, are, are well-documented, and I don't want to pile on here. But it goes without saying, he is obviously the missing link. We know what A.J. Dillon can do. We know that A.J. Dillon is going to have the defense's attention. Can can A.B., with Bajakian's help, make defenses pay when they throw eight to nine guys in the box? That's the key question for this season. Um, you know, I, I think that Bajakian should be the guy, right? Everywhere he's gone, he's, he's sort of been... Um, you know, great at QB development is exactly what this team needs. So um, that really is the missing link on the offense. You touched on Kobe. I think he could be a, a, a top five receiver in, in the ACC if him and AB can get on the same page. Um, he, he's certainly shown flashes. And uh, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I do want to say this, and I don't want you to get mad at me because... You, I'm, go- I'm going to, just a heads up, but I'm going to. We have a very talented quarterback room, all right? And depending on what we see out of AB early on, no, no question he's the starter, right? No question. But if we see what we saw last year at certain points um, against Purdue and against the first half of NC State, etc., I I'm just saying there's other talented guys in that quarterback room now, you, that we can trying, do a lot of damage. You, That's all trying, I'm saying. Are you trying to make That's me all angry? I'm saying. Are you trying to make me angry? That is that is, you have you have had some atrocious takes over the <laughs> two years that we've had. That is legitimately one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. And this is no gas to, to the rest of the quarterback. Sam Johnson will be a great ACC quarterback one day. Um, but he is 19 years old. He is skinnier than me, and I'm, as everyone knows, a very you know in shape uh, thin guy. Uh, <laughs> All right, we do not have talent. Who who is who is the yeah. guy? I, mean, so, so, I know so your your Andover guy, EJ Perry, is no, no, no longer no. in the picture. Matt, Matt, um, so sorry about Matt that. Matt Valici. Remember Troy Flutie back? Matt Valici is actually a stud quarterback, one of the best players uh, in the state of New York last year. He redshirted last year, had a great spring game. He's six five. He's an absolute unit. Um, I'm just yeah, saying. Can, who, I'm just saying. Can we just can we just can we go can we go historically? Uh, your spring game MVPs. Like I would love to get a, a math trend <laughs> there, on. There that. is an inverse ratio to spring game performance C- and correct. actual performance. That, that is true. I'll give you that. I'm just saying. Let's not have you know the stubborn mindset that there's only one guy that can do that when you have all these other three and four stars in the QB room. This is this is Dylan's last year. Let's throw the best guy for the job at it. I think it's AB, Matt. That's what this I'm is, agreeing that it's AB. You're goddamn right it is. You're goddamn right it is. But if it's not, then let's find someone that can. But it's not not going to be. I don't know how to do that many double negatives. All right. Here is my here is my rule. When Tony Touchdowns is on stage at Radio City in December collecting his Heisman, you do not get to be excited about that night. Fair enough? I don't think what I'm saying is that controversial. All I'm saying is have an open mind, play the best guy. This is Dylan's last year. Yeah, we are going to do that. We are and going to play saying the best the same guy thing. for 12 games we're this year. We're saying the same thing. I don't think we are, but <laughs> okay, continue. Uh, yeah, so I, th- I think you touched on it, right? So that's that's sort of the, the QB position. Um, we don't really have to touch on AJ, right? I mean, AJ's AJ. He, he will be, if he can stay healthy, he will be on stage at the Heisman. Um, in December. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. He finished fourth in the ACC in rushing yards last year, despite playing on one leg. And you go back to what he did in 2017. I mean, when he was fully healthy, those stats are just absolutely absurd. If he can get anywhere close to where he was in 2017, and it sounds like he's fully healthy, you know, we're, we're looking at a pretty special year. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and the other thing, and the other thing I want to mention on him as well, too, is just his maturity. We talked about it with, with Brown as well, but uh, there was an article that Pete Thamel put out a, a week ago or so that was basically talking about his mindset. And now he said coming into last year, uh, you know, he was a little bit high on himself and, and you know, reading the press clippings about an incredible freshman year that he had. And then at the same time, Brian White says he was trying to do a little bit too much in some of the run games, specifically um, the run that got him hurt. Sometimes you just got to follow your blockers and know kind of when to go down. So he's looking at the game from a much smarter approach, it sounds like this year, um, really taking his preparation seriously, you know, mentally, physically, et cetera. Uh, I think we're going to see a huge maturation from him 
um, you know, from from last year to now. It, it really in, in in every aspect again, size, uh, speed, mindset, etc. So I again, I, like you said, it's a given that that he's going to be the monster, and we're going to kind of roll as he does. But um, you know, I'll say behind him too, and I'm not anywhere near your. Uh, horrible Anthony Brown take. I'm just saying, you know, for for giving him reps here and there. Like, we do have a very strong uh, running back room. So it's nice to be able to get someone in on, you know, second or third down if we need to give him a a breather. And, you know, I don't think we want to run him 50 times a game. I think we did that for the first couple games last year, which, you know, maybe did cause some fatigue. So we got, you know, JV and Dane has Heisman blood in his body. Uh, Obviously, Levy's great. Garwo is a blue chip recruit. Bailey is a legitimate bowling ball. So, uh, yeah, I think the run game is, is... for a reason, ranked as like consistently in the top five throughout the country, regardless of you know who you look at Phil Steele, David Hale, etc. So, ton to be excited about. Yeah, that. I'm good. I'm good with that take, Matt. I, I agree that running him 40 times isn't necessarily the, the best thing to do. However, I do want him to have the football as often as possible because like that's going to lead to the most amount of points for this Boston College team. Um, but I do think it's it's a fair point to say, all right, let's tone it down a little bit. Let's get Glines and Levy some touches. Um, David Bailey's a stud goal line back. Um, and then, you know, hopefully they don't have to dip into the Garwo, uh, uh, situation this Correct. year. But, yeah. Let's, let's save that as much as but, we can. But right? yeah, I mean, he's obviously has the, the raw talent, um, the tenacity, the, the power, agility, decision making. Um, the list goes on. He doesn't fumble, although I probably just jinxed him. Um, yeah. What, I mean, come on. It, man, it, it really? gets to the point where like he's, like he's largely considered a, probably the top three back in the country. Um, which offends me. Like he, if he's not number one, it's right. stupid. And Jonathan Taylor right. from Wisconsin and, uh, ETN from Clemson obviously gets a, get a ton of hype. Um, but give me Dylan any day of the week. Uh, he could just have one of the best all-time seasons this year. Not breaking news, yeah. um, but it's, it's a good segue. Hopefully our, our offensive line obviously is, you know, obviously we, we lost Lindstrom. We lost some guys. But if we have a solid offensive line and AJ is healthy, it could absolutely be a record, record-breaking year across the board uh, for our running game. Correct. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking at the O-line, I'm not as on nearly as, as down on it as I think a lot of people are. Um, I think a lot of people just see it as we lost Lindstrom and we did lose a couple other, you know, key pieces, uh, you know, Baker as well, who Baker, by the way, is like a stud now. If you saw his, uh, he was, he was, there was a picture of him at like spring camp, basically from the end of the season, he's cut like 300 pounds. Oh yeah. Looks like, That's, I love that yeah, one. Absolutely. Looks like a statue uh, these days. Yeah, when they hang him up and they, they join the civilian world as normal looking people. C- correct. Not exactly a ringing endorsement of the college O-line diet, but here we are. Um, but look, we got our guy Petrula, uh, fan of the fan of the program. Uh, he is getting all ACC votes. John Phillips is also an all ACC caliber lineman. Um, the younger Lindstrom, again, he's got NFL caliber blood running through his body. Also great food reviews um, on Instagram for all the young kids out there. I think they're all going to be ready to jump in and, and really take control of this line. Um, this is now, again, Petrula's third year. Uh, on the squad, and really, he's this, he's going to own this unit. And I think do a great job with that. We always reload on the offensive line. I think you know Dazio, to to his credit, does a couple things really well, and rebuilding the offensive line is absolutely one of them. That's he's an offensive line guy. That's where he comes from. So no reason for that to change here. Uh, David Hale has this as the second best offensive line unit in the conference. If that's something you go by, and then like you said, Tyler Vrabel, uh, coach's son, so he plays the game the right way. Um, I think overall, I, I am not overly concerned with a relatively youthful or or at least relatively you know not super experienced uh offensive line coming into this next yeah year. they get some grad transfers too so they do have uh you know a little mm-hmm. bit of elder statement statesman from that standpoint uh Petrula is statistically one of the best linemen in the country um he'll, he'll play on Sundays for sure and it's also just difficult to predict how the line's gonna shake out until you see it we're, we're wrong about it every year I remember in 2017 Actually, when Petrula got thrown in there at center, I think we're like, "Oh, we're that's screwed," right. and they looked the best that right. they ever had. So you never know what's going to happen, but you know, historically, that's that's not a concern for us. So I, I think for the most part, right, we know what our offense is going to look like. Obviously, we lost some skill players when you when you talk about Tommy Sweeney, uh, Jeff Smith, Mikey Walker that we're going to have to replace. Um, and going back to Bajakian, you know, people don't realize this, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the best passing uh, offense. In the NFL last year, which is which is you know hard to believe, but you need someone to step up, and and we have a slew of young guys that could step up at receiver, um, and if not, then we're probably going to be tight end heavy. You're going to utilize Levy and Glines um, in the passing game, maybe Dylan if he can uh, figure out his, his right. hands. That's Dil- Dylan in the passing game is a huge, huge, huge piece, and again, all reports that we've heard really out of spring camp, and I mean you're the guy who watched the spring game, so you can probably talk about it more than I can. Although I don't even think he, did he even play in the spring game, Dylan? No. Um, no. Yeah, which you know is fair. But if we can get him and really make him multidimensional, that would be huge. Um, CJ Lewis is eight feet tall. I don't think people talk about that enough. 
Uh, so if he can put some things together and just kind of be your jump ball guy for, for AB, that'd be huge. Again, we know we have Kobe. Ben Glines, I think will kind of fill in on that. You know, Mikey Walker, Jeff Smith, kind of playmaker, just fast as lightning role. And then again, strong tight end core, despite losing Tommy 12 inch, who is going to be Buffalo's favorite, like the city of Buffalo's favorite player by like week three. Matt, I was in the uh, New Jersey airport uh, a couple weeks ago when I saw a Tommy Sweeney jersey. I walked by it and then like oh. a minute later, I was like, wait, wait a second. That's 89 Bill Sweeney. And I didn't get a picture of it because I'm an idiot, but. That's a he's, terrible. He's job. already, you know, selling jerseys in Buffalo. So, yep. And then, and then we got, and then again to round out the tight end room. Obviously, we have Adrizi and Garrison coming back, who you know both did some great things last year. And then we got Danny Dalton, Marshfield's own, coming home oh, to BC. Penn State he, guy, right? Yeah, Penn State. He originally committed to the Eagles and decommitted, went to Penn State, played his four years there, and is now grad transferring back home. Uh, shout out Marshfield. What are they? The, the Green wave or something? I, I couldn't. They're, they're, I couldn't tell. They're you. definitely green and white. They're definitely green and white. Um, I don't know. Steve Carell, Marshfield. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So uh, a couple good beaches there. You know, I think he still has a beach house there. But anyways, Danny Dalton, Marshfield guy, Steve Carell coming back home. So overall, I'm with you. I think on the skill front, I'm I'm more optimistic than you know a lot of people are. But again, that's a theme that you and I are going to have is that we're going to be more optimistic than the than the general public might uh, might lead on. Yeah. And just going back quickly to the Tampa Bay reference. So get this, Matt. If Kobe White's playing the Mike Evans role, um, do we have a Deshaun Jackson on this squad? So we'll look for one of the, the young guys. You mentioned uh, C.J. Lewis, a couple of the other guys. Uh, I don't know their names. Galloway is one of them. Um, just mm-hmm. a bunch of freshmen and sophomore guys. All we need is one, one hey, to step up. is that Joey up. Galloway's son? That's not Joey Galloway's son, correct? You know, it probably is, knowing B.C. And, and all we do is He's from, I know he's from guys. Rhode Island. And, like, Joey Galloway, like, now is, I guess, a Bristol guy. Um, that would have come up before, I think, right? Probably. Yeah, we should have looked that up pre-show, Matt. Yeah. So the Marshfield High School, they are the Rams. They're, they are, their colors are green, but they are not the, they're not the green wave. Got it. Okay, well, that's helpful just to know. To that so I'll, yep. I'll, I'll yep. jot that down for next time. Um, all right, so, so switching gears on the defense side. Um, you know, obviously, we think we know what our offense is going to be. It's going to be run heavy. It's going to be Dylan. It's maybe going to be Tony Touchdowns finally making that leap. The defense is more of a question mark, right? We're ranked 128th out of 130 FBS teams in returning defensive production. You couple that with with losing co-defensive coordinator Anthony Campanelli. They reassigned Jim Reed and promoted linebackers coach Bill Sheridan, um, who by all accounts is one of the top linebacker coaches in the country. He's well-respected, even at the NFL level, but he's very much unproven as defensive coordinator. And uh, and by unproven, I mean he had two cracks at it in the NFL. Uh, He had one season with the Giants. Uh, Did not go in a couple great. seasons with the Bucks, and yeah, the results were were underwhelming there. You know, so while our D has been statistically very solid the past couple of years, you know, not quite at the da- the Don Brown level of 2015, um, but they've been you know certainly reliable and they've kept kept us in games. You talk about consistent, and that's really honestly all you can really ask out of a out of a defense unless you are loaded with you know studs, which which to be fair we have been right. But yeah, you just don't want a team that's going to you know basically put you out of it because you have a defense that's going to give you a 40 points. Yeah, a game, and they so. really stepped up. I mean, you talk about the Clemson right. game, you talk about Miami. I mean. Beyond keeping us in it, those guys really, you know, helped. Well, we didn't beat Clemson, but you know, they were obviously huge in in, in stopping Miami's, uh, you know, pass game. So, you know, the, I think the defense, while it has historically been solid, this could certainly be the year that that things fall apart. So, starting with the D line, you lose obviously everyone. You lose you lose Zach Allen, you lose Wyatt Ray, you lose Big Ray Smith. So it's really just Tan- Tanner Carafa there, um, who I think is one of the more underrated players on the roster. Um, Correct. But he can't do it himself, right? So um, lack of death on the line is a huge concern. And I don't know, we're loaded at linebacker, right? So I had, and I don't know enough about football to really speak on this, but is it a situation where you look at switching to like a 3-4 and, and to sort of, you know, utilize the, the depth at linebacker? I don't know. Matt, I'm going to be honest. I always go ask Madden uh, when I play defense. <laughs> I, I pick my own plays on offense, but ask Madden on, on defense exclusively. So I'm not Yeah, I think you need a big guy at nose tackle. Like you need like a Vince Wilford kind of guy, which Karaf is not. Sure. Do we have any of those? Yeah, I don't think I don't, so. I don't think so, Matt. So, so no, I don't think we have Vince this Wilford. This is probably a dead end here. That would be huge if we could. I mean, he's a Boston guy. I don't know if he has any college eligibility left, but that would be a big time. Right. It would, it would be. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you, you work on converting one of the linebackers that, you know, is maybe fourth or fifth in the depth chart and make him a D end. I don't really know. You get a couple guys there. Um, yeah. Brandon Barlow had a huge game when he had to fill in against Syracuse, 10 tackles. Marcus Valdez is another name. I don't know much about him, but he is an accounting major. So that's oh, noteworthy. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth noting. The other guy, Matt, I'm excited about uh, this guy, the grad transfer from Clemson, yeah. Richard Yergin. Um, so he missed the last two years after a bad car crash. I think it's, it seemed like he was just going to be done with football forever. But 
ended up coming here for his for his grad year, playing this year immediately eligible. So the raw talent is obviously there. I mean, Clemson, they only get, you know, great football players. So I'm excited to see what what he can do. I mean, you hope that after two years off and a, and a major injury that, um, you know, look, if, he, if he's not all the way back, I don't think anyone would blame him. But I think that is a good guy, you know, even even just beyond what he can do on the field. I think that'll definitely be a good, uh, you know, leadership role. And, he, and I think the more grad transfers, the better in that role of things. Yeah, it's nothing to lose, right? It's hit or miss. If you get Cor- something correct. out of him, great. And, and Carafa, by the way, I mean, we saw the pictures of him at, at media day. He's like a monster. Maybe it's because he looks exactly like the kid from School of Rock that we've well documented last year. But like, I always think about him as like a smaller guy, like kind of being a quick defensive lineman. You picture him as like um, a middle school School of Rock character. Yeah, co- correct. Which would not do well in the ACC uh, as a general rule. But looking at him compared to, he was sitting right next to the Clemson guy, like the exact same size as a Clemson offensive lineman. So uh, he is he is an absolute monster, and I am expecting a huge year out of him. And I, I think that. Seems to me that he'll be up to the challenge uh, of basically putting this entire D line on his back. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, Matt. I mean, Jim Reed's obviously a stud defensive line coach. I mean, you think about Zach Allen, Harold Landry, Wyatt Ray. I mean, mm-hmm. not only did Reed help develop these guys, but these guys have also been learning from some of the best. So you'd think that That's there's right. some sort of osmosis that takes place um, from that standpoint. So I'm, I'm hoping we can just kind of um, you know replace those guys and not not drop off too much. There will be drop off. You know, you're not you're not going to have Zach Allen out there. Uh, you know changing the course of the game on a, on a play-by-play basis. But, um, right. you know, the hope is that they're solid. Yeah. And then, but I mean, again, I think overall you look like, so, so yeah, the line is, is definitely young. There's a lot of questions there, but we look behind them. The linebacking core, I think is legitimately one of the strongest cores on, in the locker room on either side of the Matt, field. This core has the potential to be the best we've seen since like Keith yeah. Lee and KPL. And Matt, I got some nicknames for you. Let's, let's do it. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, so there's a trio of linebackers, all of which could be absolute studs. This will be studs, I have no doubt. Yep. Um, all right, so we'll start with Sax Richardson. Okay, pretty, pretty good. Pretty yep. good. Um, Isaiah McStuffy, because he stuffs, oh, the, yeah. stuffs yep. the run. And yep. then i got to work on John Lamott, but i got Lamott the SWAT for now. But Lamott the SWAT we've done before. It's not, it's not It's not bad. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he, it, it requires him to sort of bat some balls down and, Correct. and things like that. It's a, very niche, it's a very niche skill. Like There needs to be opportunities that, yeah. that present themselves. So that, that one's still a, a work in process. Uh, no, I love it overall. I think, again, I, I think that uh, that is going to be by far the anchor of the defense, which I think is a great group to have anchor your defense is kind of the center of the defense. David Hale has us as the fourth best linebacking core in the country, which again is huge because our other two up front and the defensive backs are like bottom two or bottom three. So um, I'm with you. We need that group to really excel and live up to their hype. And I have full confidence in them moving back further. Well, hold on a second. I got to give you my breakout, dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's let's do it right now. Indeed. Isaiah McStuffy. Okay. Matt. I love it. And uh, I mean, it's kind of cheating at this point because he sort of broke out last year. He, he was second on the team with 85 tackles, despite only really playing half the year. Um, and his most productive games were against the top competition. Uh, listen to this. He had, he had 12 tackles versus Miami, 13 versus Virginia Tech, 8 tackles and a sack versus Clemson, 13 tackles against NC State. Um, Zach Allen nicknamed him the Bloodhound, which we've now renamed him to McStuffy. Yeah, I like ours better, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of his ability to chase down the football, though. Okay. Um, he is but banged McStuffy up. He was... because he stuffs the football. Exactly. You right. got it, Matt. You okay. got it. Um, he has been out all spring with some type of knee injury, um, so that's a bit of a concern. But other than that, I think he's got the potential to be sort of the next great PC linebacker to, for sure. For sure, playing on Sundays, right? And again, I think like you said, the the Bill Sheridan uh, you know promotion is is obviously putting a big focus on the linebackers. So I'm with you there. Moving to again the D backs, huge question marks really all throughout the the secondary here. Obviously losing Harris, uh, Cheevers, Dennis sucks. We got the Sebastian Bros, which we're thinking nicknames like something with the Bash Brothers because it's Sebastian. I think we can obviously oh, that's, figure figure that's something really out good, Matt. Yeah, like we, we'll, we'll obviously figure out how to spell it and all that stuff. But um, I'll put Brandon as the most improved player on the entire roster last year. I think in the first couple games we saw him earlier in the year, he was a complete liability, um, and by the end, he was like a legitimate, um, you know, shutdown guy in, in the defensive backfield. So. To me, he is, you know, by far going to be our, uh, you know, main main stay back there. Um, but then we also have Mike Palmer, who many people say is just a modern day Sean Sylvia, you know, which is not a terrible uh, comparison to to be made of you. Uh, Medi Alatrach, another big name that'll that'll be doing a lot back there. So I mean, we got names, we got guys who've been around the program for a little while. So it's not, you know, all hope is lost. It's just a question mark in the sense of will the guys that that need to step up, will they actually step up? Will they improve the way they need to improve? 
I don't think anyone's expecting them to to live up to what that unit was over the last two years, which was you know legitimately one of the best secondaries in in BC history. But again, like we said, just just be good enough to kind of keep us in the games. Our schedule works out in a way that we're not playing a ton of huge aerial attack teams. Obviously, Clemson notwithstanding, but like NC State lost Finley, for example, so they're going to be untested at quarterback. There's not a lot of teams who are necessarily going to kill us over the top. Um, which, you know, obviously could, could be a, a, you know, that's a good opportunity for us. That's a place that we're not just going to get, you know, completely exposed. Yeah. Mike Palmer in particular, I remember we were at, we were down in Raleigh and we said, wait, who is this guy? Who, who's number, is he 19, whatever it is? He had a ginormous game, a breakout game against NC State. He had 10 tackles, a sack, as well as a punt block. And we had no, we had no idea who it was. Um, so I like him to sort of have a, you know, to, to anchor that, anchor that back line at safety. Uh, and then Tate Haynes is another name to watch out for. He had a big spring game, which probably means he'll do nothing in real life. Um, but we'll, 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 we'll see. Um, but this is obviously the, the unit I'm concerned the most about. Not only losing Will Harris, who was the captain back there, but losing Campanelli, who uh, by all accounts has sort of invented uh, defensive back U. So uh, we'll, we'll see if that trend continues or if it was all Campanelli. Hopefully it's not. Uh, so so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But that's that's my one unit that I'm most concerned about. Correct. Yeah, I think I think by far and away. Um, but again, uh, and we'll talk about it in a little bit when we kind of go into the courtroom. The margin of error in the ACC is, is so small this year. Really, all we need to do is just like slightly exceed our expectations in a couple of places and we'll be in great shape. Again, we're going to rely on our linebackers. We're going to rely on our run game. Um, you know, we're going to really rely on a quarterback and a strong offensive line. If, you know, the receivers can play a little better than, than maybe some people are expecting or the D-backs can step up, we're going to be in great shape. Um, I do want to make a note. Obviously, special teams has been a disaster uh, in the Adazio era outside of Mike Walker and, and his runbacks, but, you know, especially the kicking game, et cetera. Phil Steele says we are a one of the top, uh, I think, three special teams in the entire ACC, the That's guy is wrong. yeah. So the guy is like a super genius. So I'm not sure what he knows, but we don't know what he knows because I think he might be referring to a different Boston College, maybe the BC Lions and the Canadian Football League. But whatever he knows, there is information out there. I'm here for it. I just think that he is wildly incorrect and has, and has been watching a different team than us. We were dead last in the FBS last year in Correct. field goal efficiency. Which well, I think I'm not we literally. Sure. What's, what's the stat? I'm not sure how that stat works, but I, we're dead last. That's we kicked, like we kicked literally. It was, it was absurd. we only kicked like seven field goals over the course of the year. It was. It yeah, was it was nine. Only yeah. New Mexico had less attempts. We missed five point afters last year, um, which, which is actually below. good for us relative yeah, to yeah. where actually, we've been. Alabama missed more than that somehow, yep. um, which is wild. Well, we probably scored more touchdowns. If nothing else, and, and <laughs> we'll, we'll cap it here because, I mean, it's a question. Who knows what's going to happen with special teams, right? If nothing else, we have an electric slate of names. Uh, when you talk about Danny Logman and the Tessator, who's obviously famous. Correct. Um, and, and now the transfer from Temple, who's, I believe, named Boomer High. Oh, so oh buddy. That's, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, nickname potential there for those guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. And then we got again talking on the recruiting front, how strong that's been. We got uh, Ben Sauls coming in. That's our, right. We're, a, we're kicker guys now. We are, we're we're a kicker podcast. I think everyone knows that about us. Uh, we are in the scoops game, and he, a, a, a leader of the best kicking camp in the country uh, reached out to us after the recruitment and was like, look guys, like inside scoop, this guy is the single best kicker in the country right now, heavily recruited by Georgia, ASU, a couple other schools, but he's coming to BC and he's going to be a lightning rod. He's got ice in his veins. He has the clutch gene. So maybe the tides are turning a little bit. We got the long man. So, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe this is what Phil Steele knows. And, and, and maybe again, trust in Phil Steele and his, his, and his models. So we'll see. That's right. I mean, the bottom line, so you have A.J. Dillon, and that's that's the one, right? And then you have what I'll call the big five. You got Anthony Brown, you got Kobe White, you got Ben Petrula, Tanner Carafa, and you got Max Richardson. After that, who knows, right? We'll see who's ready to step up, uh, but those are going to be the guys that are, uh, you know, anchoring our team this year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, all right, Matt, do you want to uh, step inside the courtroom here? I have been waiting for this for seven months. Court is in session. So uh, this is a special edition Duteous Corpus. We, we will uh, do a, just a high-level breakdown of the ACC this year. Uh, and to me, Matt, it's it's pretty cut and dry, right? I mean, it's it's Clemson number one by a mile until, you know, until, until we not. play them, until week eight, yep. Uh, that's right. And then I don't really see anyone else on the coastal side except Miami. And there's a couple trendy picks out there with Syracuse and UVA. But to me, that's that's pretty much it. So I think we're, we're right up there with, with Miami as potentially number two or three in the ACC power – we have the potential to be if everything that's, sort yes, of goes correct. our way, right? And that's you know that's a big if. If if Dylan stays healthy, if AB makes the leap, 
But yeah. I don't know. I, I think that's how I see it shaking out this year. It should be uh, pretty predictable in my mind. Yeah, you mean pretty unpredictable. Well, one and two are predictable, and then okay. anything could happen thereafter. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, the bottom line is, and, and we said this earlier, but the, the, there are really beyond Co- uh, Clemson at the top and Louisville at the bottom, you could make any argument for the remaining order of finish in the Atlantic, and then the Coastal is just always chaos. Even Miami, I think, has a ton of question marks as well. Really, if you you know look throughout each team, they all have major units, just like we do, with uh, you know very reliable units that you know are going to be strong, and then some with just tremendous question marks. Lost a ton of guys, need to replace a ton of guys. So really, you know, we're kind of in the the same boat as as just about every other team in the conference, which is uh, a little unsettling, but also reassuring in the sense that you know we're not way behind the eight ball and, and going up against you know, a conference that has the likes of uh, you know Clemson, Alabama, pick other you know ten other top ten teams. So. It really is wide open for us. Maybe not necessarily the the ACC, you know, as a whole, but the opportunity to beat up on other teams with weaknesses um, and get us again back into the top twenty five and uh, you know in the national conversation. Yeah, my my big hot take this year, and for those that listened last year, obviously I I was sort of in love with Syracuse. I thought that they were uh, underrated. I was a big Eric Dungey guy. I'm the exact opposite this year. I absolutely hate them this year. I think that all the hype is. Um, you know, completely nonsense. Uh, Hughes fans are, have already deemed this new quarterback, Tommy DeVito, like the next Donovan McNabb or whoever else has been good for Syracuse. Greg Paulus. Um, yeah, right. Uh, you know, because he, he was a big-time recruit that went to the same quarterback camp as, you know, Tua and Jake Fromm and Ellinger and those guys. But I don't know, Matt. I, I don't know if you saw the Notre Dame Hughes game last year, but yeah. um, Dungey went down, Tommy DeVito comes in, goes like 14 for 31 for not even 100 yards, no touchdowns, couple picks, takes a million sacks. Yep. Total QBR in that game was 1.5. Yeah, he was um, awful. And they and got, he looked, they and got he lo- absolutely smoked by a Notre Dame team that wasn't even that good, by the way. Yeah, and 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 he did look good against uh, UNC, but I think literally so would you know you my, or I my high out school there. team, right? Right. I mean, my dead yellow lab, who you know to be fair was a, a freakishly good athlete. Um, you know, would basically be able to go airbud on UNC last year. So I, I think that I'm with you. I think everyone is. Super, super, super high on DeVito. And, and, you know, I'm with you. It seems like for whatever reason, everyone is now just assuming that they are the heir apparent, uh, you know, if Clemson is to falter, they're the only team that, that's going to be able to beat Clemson, which, again, if we're, if we're going and staying in the courtroom here, guilty or innocent, they are guilty of being overrated uh, by a unanimous decision in my, in my eyes. I think the whole league's guilty of being overrated, honestly. I mean, Correct. We, well, we just except touched for B- on... BC, we are, we are guilty of being underrated, I would I, Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think Wake actually has, has a case as well. Yep. They get a pretty good quarterback coming back that, um, you know, lit us up for, for, you know, 35 points or whatever it was last year. But I think that, that people are, are misplacing some of the hype on Qs, on UVA. I think, you know, Bryce Perkins, he's a nice player, but I think, you know, he sort of came out of nowhere last year for UVA and now you have an offseason, a game plan against it. It's, it, you know, UVA and Q's and, um, I don't know, even Pitt are sort of these fake good teams that had some success last year. Right. People think that they're going to build on it. I don't see it. Yeah. I think you kind of are who you are. Q's in particular drives me nuts. And I'm going to be very vocal on Twitter. I continue to be very vocal on Twitter about it. Right. I think that if, if you were to, in this offseason, take all the rosters as they currently are, but then completely just like change the schools where they're at, right? So like if you, or, or basically just, just obscure what team is what, I think the entire order of how everyone's assuming things are going to shake out would change. Um, like it seems a lot of people, but not a consensus are, are high on FSU to be the number two team in, in the Atlantic. Yeah, what is that? Right. I mean, they were, they were terrible last year. They had the worst offensive line in the country and yeah, they beat us and that was an inexcusable loss, but you know, they're not overnight just going to put everything together and, and all of a sudden be back. Same with Miami. I mean, Miami, and you said that they're going to be kind of the runaway in the coastal. I mean, I, I strongly disagree with that take as well. Really? The same they're, way they did in last they're year. They're going to be good with Manny Diaz, man. That, that, I mean, that, that defense lost no one. All they need is a quarterback, and they actually got it with uh, with Tate Martell, right? Tate Martell sucks. Tate Martell's an asshole, and Tate Martell is like the he's like the worst guy in the world. Um, <laughs> so I'm rooting so hard against him, and I really do think he's going to be terrible. He's untested, and you know there's not much that we you know have seen from him yet in a, in a legitimate game. But yeah, I think overall everyone is assuming oh they're Miami and Florida State they're going to be back. You know, and then on the other side, I think it's everyone's trying to almost be like a little bit contrarian of like oh it's. You know, Wake Forest and UVA, we never picked them to be good. So this will be the year that there's yeah, chaos the fall, and they can right? jump in. Right. So it's yeah. no one has any idea. And I think it's just kind of we're kind of picking based on laundry right now, which, um, you know, again, if you go down the list, right, like Vatek, and, and we'll obviously talk about them more in a couple weeks. They lost like 95 percent of their roster in this offseason to right. the pros, transfers, dismissal, whatever. Um, but everyone is still very high on them in the coastal. 
So there are so many things that have gone uh, gone wrong for teams. There's just question marks on teams. It just, I don't know, man. It just seems like everyone is guilty. Uh, it's, and we're it's, ACC guys, but the ACC right. is going to suck this year. Way worse than it was last year. And it was down last year. I mean, there's so many programs that are just in disarray. Like the, you know, the, the Blue Bloods. Like Florida State ain't coming back yet. Right. Virginia Tech, they can barely feel the roster, you know? So, I mean, until other, until anyone says otherwise, it's it's really Clemson and then everyone else. It really I think does. Miami's it, got a shot this year to be pretty good. Probably a ranked football team in my mind. But outside of that, right. it's just it, anything could happen. So, I'm going to try to stick with some legal stuff here. Um, shout out to those people taking the bar over the next couple of days. Um, I think this is around the time of year where that is underway. Is that a um, one, one once a year deal? You know, Matt, I have no idea. We yeah, we happen okay. to know someone who's taking it, and I'm just assuming everyone is because that's how kind of we're, we're very pariahical. Yeah. Um, but I think there's almost been it's almost been like there's been a sweeping Rico Rico indictment of all the good players in the ACC, um, and now they are kind of just gone, and somehow Clemson avoided that, and obviously we invo- avoided that in a in a number of of different ways. But overall, I just think there's been a lot of uh, what's the legal term I'm, I'm looking for here? Can you help me it's out? A, it's it's a hung jury. Correct. Yeah, I, I would definitely I would definitely say that. Yep. And I think that right. again, you and I are doing our civic duty right now and properly judging um, these teams. And I think we're the only one who's seeing it clearly. All right, sounds good to me. All right, court is adjourned. And Matt, let's uh, let's talk official lot of dudes season preview. Sure. So I'll I'll start season prediction. Season prediction. Yeah. So we're not going to go game by game here necessarily. Uh, again, for, for all the new listeners, we have a new episode that comes out every week before uh, the game. We'll break down what happened on the previous Saturday and then dive into the upcoming opponent. So that's where we're really going to get into depth of, of what we're going to see um, the following week. So just at a high level here, I think you really could bucket this out. It does seem like this is a consensus amongst BC fans, but we could bucket it out by the, um, I'll say the sure or must wins. Uh, which is Rutgers, Kansas, Richmond, and Louisville. I'll put in that bucket as well. The tough games, you know, which which if we lose them, no no skin off our back. Clemson, and Notre Dame, and really everything else is a toss up to varying degrees. Uh, which is Tech, Cuse, Florida State, NC State, Wake, and Pitt. For me, like I think you say, Pitt is probably the easiest one there. Cuse is is harder at Cuse, but like we said, every single one of those has significant questions. So I think the you know the bottom line is. The margin for error is, you know, so incredibly thin. Like I said, we have six toss-ups. If we are slightly worse than we expect in a couple, you know, areas, if 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 AB does not, um, you know, progress as we expect him to, or if a couple other teams show up in a little bit, you know, better than than maybe we expected, you know, it's not inconceivable that we could go one and five in the toss-ups, for example, and then all of a sudden we're at you know five wins pretty much on the year. But the other side of things, we have an opportunity in front of us that if that if the units that you know, we, we are relying on show up as we expect. And then a couple other units or a couple other guys take great strides. Uh, we really can, you know, get head and shoulders above the rest of the ACC outside of Clemson here. Because, again, it's just like it's it's this just like a pile of mud right now. And we can you know basically win six of those toss ups. Um, yeah, you so think, think about those toss up games, right? Right. I mean, four of them are really the key ones to me are at home. You got yep. Virginia Tech, Wake, NC State, Florida State. Pretty sure all those are at home, right? Correct. Yeah, Cuse and, and Pitt have, are the only toss-ups on the road. Right, right. and Pitt. It's not like that's like a uh, you know a, a road environment. You really have to be that concerned about. They also lost everyone from last year, and they kind right. of sucked to begin with. And I think at Florida State Week One is huge because again they have had a tumultuous off season. But that, Foster's a good Virginia, coach. They will Virginia put it together. Tech. What did I say? Florida State. No, I said I said Vatek. Well, you can go back and check. You said right. Florida State. Well, okay, having Vatek Week One is <laughs> is huge um, because again they have had a tumultuous offseason. Bud Foster's a good coach, and I'm sure he'll put it together at some point this year. But even like we've seen at BC, like sometimes it takes us a couple weeks to get comfortable. So I think having them at home Week One is is you know absolutely um, huge. But yeah, I'm with you overall. Florida State, NC State at home, both pretty big revenge games for this group. I think we. I think we all know that if we you know played those games you know three times last year, we probably would have won two of them. We just happened to play the one that we lost um, each time. And then Wake, yeah, Wake's always I mean, tough. Virginia Tech to me is the scary one out of that group, not because any logical reason. If you think about it, obviously we beat them on the road by uh, you know multiple possessions. We've gotten better since last year. We have Dylan healthy, AB is making a jump. We have a new offensive coordinator. They don't know how to game plan for that. And they got worse, right? They they all their, they had five wide receivers enter the trans, transfer portal alone. Um, we'll get to that next week when we do our, or whenever the uh, Virginia Tech preview is. But anyway, it just the the fact of the matter is anything can happen. Week one, um, you just don't know, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's the one I'm concerned about the most. But you know, Wake, NC State, Florida State, those don't really bother me. Um, you know, as home games. The ones that I'm really worried about, and, and by worried about, I mean the ones we'll probably lose, is obviously we have to call Clemson a loss for now. 
Um, although I will say, you know, it's not easy to replace three first round draft picks on your D line, you yep. know. And we hung with them last year, and we probably would have won if it wasn't for you know Dylan getting hurt, dirty Wilkins, plays. Wilkins didn't plays. cheap shot a yep. bit, etc. So uh, that's kind of hyperbole, kind of not. I don't know. We'll likely lose in my mind probably one of Notre Dame and Syracuse. Um, not because Devito is good for for Syracuse, just because it kind of sucks to go play at the Carrier Dome, and um, I don't know. We'll, we'll lose one of those, right? And then I don't I don't mean for this to be a hot take here, Matt, but I'm uh, I'm terrified of one team in particular on our schedule. Can, can you guess which one it is? I feel like you're going to say Rutgers, which is I'm terrified of Rutgers. That, that it's like I think Rutgers I know, I know, is, I know. is on the it's been on the par as UConn and. I don't know, we'll, man. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it in a couple weeks. But first of all, we have so many guys from New Jersey on this roster. And that's that's like what worries me. Game for them. That's no, so they're going to play me. the biggest game. Like Anthony Brown's going to play the biggest game of his life in front of all of his friends and family. Okay. All of our, his high school our teammates. Three New Jersey starters are going to play the game of their life first. A roster of Matt. New do you Jersey understand? Like, first of all, in front of their friends and family. I don't know, but like they don't have friends and family that go to Rutgers <laughs> games. That stadium will legitimately be over fifty percent. I would fans. agree with you, except this is their Super Bowl. One of their sites claimed it as their most significant game in the past decade. That, that doesn't matter. If my and high school Matt, team was playing BC, it would be the biggest game like, of their decade as well. I have like six reasons. Let me just list them off real okay. quick. They obviously have no shot of like even being bowl eligible on that side of the Big Ten, right? So this is really for all the marbles when you talk about recruiting, Northeast rivalry, etc. They hate BC. And and I thought before doing any research on Rutgers that they just got blown up by 50 to everyone. They actually kept it pretty close against Penn State last year. Well, Penn State um, took, sucked last year. At Michigan State, it was a one-possession game. I know, but... You know, we're not going to beat Penn State, is my point. If they kept it close against Penn State, transitive property. They were the worst statistical Power 5 offense last year, but they brought in... Listen to the, the grad transfer quarterback they brought in. McLean Carter. Does that name not terrify you? Terrifies me. They're also coming off a bye. And then my last point here is, there's a pretty good chance they know what's coming. When you talk about all the connections we have with Johnny Langan transferring down there. Campanelli, his brother, is like a uh, tight end coach You think Johnny Langan is, is sneaking in playbooks? That that was kind of their, their big Trojan abs- horse this whole time? Of course. Th- no, it wasn't the whole time. But you would be out of your mind if you don't think Chris Ash is saying, hey, uh, what is Adazio? What's you know what's this play? What is okay, this well, what's the new game? offensive coordinator do? Yeah, well, yeah, and it's a, it's a fair point. But I'm just I'm saying there's the risk of, of spilling all of Daz's trade secrets there. So... I'm concerned about Rutgers. You heard it here first. If we lose, Daz probably is going to be on the hot seat immediately. Might get fired on the spot. I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't I happen. I'm, I don't, I'm not calling it a loss. I'm just saying I'm scared of that game. I think, I think, especially with those, with those, the bucket of, of must wins, the first three that come very early in the year, Kansas, Rutgers, and Richmond, I think any of those are fireable on the spot, in my, in my personal opinion. I think there is absolutely no excuse for, uh, any of those three games to not be very comfortable wins. Again, we'll obviously dive into significantly more detail as we get into you know each week's prediction there. But I think you are out of your mind. And as someone who, you know, if you if you are uh, again staying on the Adazio train and you want to be around for a while, like like ultimately we do because that implies that he's winning. Then then you're just you know you're 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 out of your mind if you think any of those are losses because so I'm not calling it a loss. This. I'm not calling okay. it a loss. It seemed like you just did. I'm saying I'm very concerned about the game. And my season prediction, assuming we win, Matt, I'll just get into it. For the third year in a row, I'm officially predicting 10-2 and two this year. Wow. Okay. I did not o- see that coming. Officially. 10-2. and two. We'll lose to Clemson, probably, and we'll lose to one of Notre Dame or Q's. If I'm wrong, it's because we lost to Rutgers, though. Okay, I'm just, that's enough. what I'm that's saying. It. We're 10-2 or 9-3. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think uh, again, like I said, there's a thin margin of error. And if we can just slightly overperform and if AB can be, you know, as good as I know he can be, you know, I have so much confidence, you know, in this team. Um, I do like the way the schedule breaks out in that it gives us potentially a lot of momentum. I think there's a very good chance we start 7-0. and Really, if you look at the tough games there, it's it's uh, Vatek, uh, NC State, and Wake Forest. And Rutgers. <laughs> and Rutgers. Three of three of four at home before we actually go down to Clemson. I think there's a, a very legitimate chance at 7-0. and Like I said, the Vatek opener, like we'll talk about in a little week, is one of the biggest games in that my opinion. That is the season. It is ginormous. And they're yeah. actually saying it too. I, I was reading up on a Virginia Tech website, and we'll get into it next week, or whenever the Virginia Tech game is, but they're calling this one of the big games in, in at least the, uh, the Fuente era. Um, yeah, because these guys want to get back on track and get back to the nine ten win team that they're used to being. Right. This is this is this is so make or break. Having this at home is huge. I think it will be a great crowd on you know even though Labor Day I feel like we normally don't show up that well, but four o'clock game is is perfect. Um, so long story short, I, I'm very high on the talent on this team, and and I do think because of the down ACC and a, and a 
it's a relatively ACC schedule due to the down ACC. I really do see, you know, nine or 10 wins as a very legitimate possibility just so we differ. And so there's a little, you know, stake in the game. I will say nine and three, though in my heart of hearts, I'm, I'm, I feel 10 and two. I will go on the record as nine and three. But I think, you know, again, seven wins needs to be the number again to, you know, not have not have a Dazio fired. And I, again, for the sake of for the sake of the program, I obviously hope we, we win more games. So that's not even a question. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll see what happens. It, it uh, yeah, could be and a either way, right? but there's a lot of question marks. Either way, that gets us probably to what the Camping World Bowl down in Orlando, whatever Syracuse was in last year. Nine, nine, nine or ten, yeah, yeah, nine or ten wins probably gets us in that range. Completely but again, agree. as you said, everyone's thrilled with uh, all the Dazio uh, hot seat talk goes away. He can actually bring in guys without being you know bothered by that type of talk. We got a ton of guys coming in. You know, we just walked down another top offensive line recruit. I mean, this program is going to be good for, for years to come, um, but I guess let's take it one game at a time here this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm completely with you. But like we said, just a few short days away from summer camp at the Fish getting underway. This is the most exciting time of the year as a BC fan because optimism is just at an absolute fever pitch, uh, which is really, you know, all we can ask for. And, and you know, then hope the boys can, uh, can pay it off uh, once, they, once they hit the field in, in, what, five weeks from now? That's right, right around the corner. Yeah, so it's it's coming around the corner, and I think we're feeling good, and, and let's hope that uh, stays rolling the season. Um, thanks again for listening. As always, again, don't forget to use my bookie for all of your football uh, needs this season, as well as baseball, and I guess what do we have, golf and a couple? What, what else is out there to gamble on these days? Obviously yeah, baseball. Uh- I've been hitting golf pretty hard. Golf's okay. actually pretty fun to gamble on. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. So yeah, my bookie is, is a source for all of that. Check out, you know, our, our guys at Armchair All Americans for any of your other team podcasts, as well as uh, our good friends over at Boston College two four seven for all the hard hitting BC recruiting analysis. They've been awesome, uh, really all summer as as this BC recruiting roadshow has has uh, rolled on. And again, like we've said, we've been getting some awesome guys uh, joining up as future dudes. So um, good things all around. Thanks again for listening. Look forward to catching back up uh, in a few short weeks to talk Hokies. It's a doodle alert, folks. cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader